From the wilderness of Kodiak Island, Alaska, this is Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier with your host, Robin Bearfield. In a land full of peril and vicious animals, humans are the most dangerous predators of all. We can never know another person's thoughts and motivations. Most killers have a reason to commit murder. Whether for revenge, jealousy, or money, they understand why they killed their victim. Kai Young Yoon, though, said he did not know why he killed Amy Sue Patrick. He claimed he murdered her on the spur of the moment, but some of the evidence suggests Yoon premeditated the crime. Events in this case took a bizarre twist when the troopers arrested Yoon and hauled him to prison. Welcome to Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. I'm your host, Robin Bearfield, and I'm broadcasting to you from the heart of the Kodiak National Wildlife Refuge on Kodiak Island in Alaska. Friends and relatives describe blonde-haired, blue-eyed Amy Sue Patrick as a good girl who was quickly growing into a responsible young woman. According to her parents and her boss, Amy Sue was honest and trustworthy. She never missed work, and she always arrived on time for her shift as a waitress at the Country Kitchen Restaurant in Wasilla, Alaska. According to her father, Amy Sue called when she was running late, and she made sure her family did not worry about her. Amy Sue kept her bedroom tidy and organized her car neat and clean. She played by the rules and never exhibited erratic behavior. Her father said Amy Sue was not prone to do anything wild. She was not a young woman who would run away from her responsibilities. Amy Sue, 18, had just graduated from Wasilla High School a few months earlier, and she looked forward to attending college and majoring in education. She wanted to teach children. Her long-term plan was to work as a teacher in a remote Alaska community for five years and then return to Wasilla to live near her parents and five siblings. Still, no one lives a perfect life, and her quote in her senior yearbook suggests her life was not always rosy. Life is hard, and then you die, Amy wrote. Her friends and family would wonder if Amy could see her future. Amy Sue had a boyfriend named Bob Marhinka, and according to her friends and relatives, Amy Sue seemed happy and content. Because she was so responsible and honest, Amy Sue made the perfect house sitter. When her parents' friends, Jim and Diane Wada, left the state for a short time, they asked Amy Sue to stay at their house. The Wadas lived outside of Wasilla in a secluded subdivision near mile 46.5 of the Parks Highway. On Saturday, September 21, 1991, the Wadas' son, William, arrived at his parents' home to drop off some of his belongings. William's friend, Kai Young Yoon, a chemistry student at the University of Alaska, Anchorage, accompanied William to the house. The pair spoke briefly to Amy Sue. 
The following night, Amy Sue was at the Wada's house talking on the phone to her boyfriend, Bob, when she heard someone at the door. She told Bob that William had arrived, and her boyfriend assumed she meant William Wada had returned to his parents' house to drop off more of his things. Amy Sue asked Bob to stay on the phone while she answered the door. A few minutes later, Amy Sue returned to the phone and asked Bob to hold on a little while longer. A few minutes later, someone hung up the phone and disconnected the call. Bob attempted to call Amy Sue back. He let the phone ring 13 times, but no one answered. When Amy Sue did not show up for her shift at the Country Kitchen restaurant on Monday, September 23rd, Kevin Harrington, her boss, knew something was wrong. He contacted Amy's parents, and they called her boyfriend. When Bob told her parents about the strange phone call the previous evening, they called the Alaska State Troopers. Sergeant Bill Tandaski assigned Amy Sue's case to investigative troopers Dallas Massey and Tom Clemens. Trooper David Churchill also assisted in the investigation. Amy Sue was not at the Wada's house when the troopers arrived, and the investigators did not believe she'd left the premises voluntarily. Although they saw no sign of a struggle in the house, too many things in the residence did not make sense. Amy Sue's car sat in front of the house. Did this mean she'd left with someone else? The investigators found Amy's purse, car keys, and wallet in the home. A half-eaten meal sat on the kitchen table. Upstairs, Amy Sue's clothes littered the floor. A towel lay on the floor in the bathroom, and a packet of birth control pills sat on the counter. The troopers were concerned when they saw that Amy had last taken a pill on Sunday. If Amy was okay, why did she not take a pill on Monday? When Massey and Clemens questioned Amy Sue's parents, they said their daughter was a neat freak and would never leave her clothes or a towel on the floor. They said she always kept a tidy room. The investigators immediately believed Amy Sue was a victim of foul play. She did not fit the profile of a young woman who would walk away from her life. Someone took Amy Sue against her will. The troopers questioned Bob Marhinka, Amy Sue's boyfriend, but he had a strong alibi, and they dismissed him as a suspect. The troopers learned that the Wada's son, William, was at his parents' house on Saturday. They couldn't find William, but located his girlfriend in Anchorage. She said William was currently working at his job on the North Slope, but she did not know what day and time he flew north to return to the Slope. Massey asked the girlfriend for the names of any of Wada's friends, and she suggested they call Kai Young Yoon, a Korean-American student at the University of Alaska at Anchorage. The girlfriend said he was with Wada when they went to William's parents' house on Saturday. The troopers located Yoon at his home in Midtown Anchorage, and Yoon told them that William Wada had several girlfriends and a kinky sex life. Yoon said he didn't know if William had a sexual relationship with Amy Sue, but he thought it was possible. 
Yoon said he accompanied William to his parents' home and saw Amy Sue for just a moment. The investigators noted how nervous Yoon seemed while talking to them, but they assumed he was just uncomfortable telling them about his friend's sexual exploits. The investigators began to suspect that William Wada had something to do with the disappearance of Amy Sue Patrick. Amy told her boyfriend over the phone that William was at the door, and a short while later, someone disconnected the call. Did William Wada abduct and possibly kill Amy Sue? The troopers soon dismissed Wada as a suspect, though, when they learned he left for his job on the North Slope on Sunday, September 22nd, hours before Amy Sue's last phone conversation with her boyfriend. The investigators flew to the North Slope and tracked down Wada for an interview. William Wada could tell the investigators nothing about the disappearance of Amy Sue Patrick. The situation baffled him. When they returned to Anchorage, Massey and Clemens recalled their interview with Kai Young Yoon. They remembered how Yoon had pointed the finger at his friend, subtly suggesting to the troopers that Wada could have done something to Amy Sue. They decided to wait to approach Yoon again until they could study the phone records for the Wada's house. According to the phone log, someone placed a call from Yoon's apartment to the Wada's residence on Sunday, September 22nd. Yoon made the call one hour and ten minutes before Bob Marhinka said Amy Sue put him on hold so that she could answer the door. The troopers knew the travel time between Midtown Anchorage and the west side of Wasilla ranged from 50 to 60 minutes. The investigators began delving into Kai Young Yoon's life, but they found little in Yoon's background to suggest he was the type of person who would kidnap and possibly kill a young woman. Yoon had attended Diamond High School in Anchorage, and his high school teachers described him as intelligent and an excellent student. Friends said he was shy until you got to know him. They said Yoon was funny and easygoing and never showed any signs of aggression. Yoon lived with his mother, and she said her son returned home on the evening of Sunday, September 22nd, at the usual time, and he acted normal. The only chink the investigators could find in Yoon's armor was a 1989 arrest for shoplifting when Yoon stole a cassette tape and a Nintendo game from a Sears store. The judge ordered him to stay out of trouble for six months and pay $200. At the end of the six months, the charges were dropped. Yoon, a chemistry major at the University of Alaska at Anchorage, worked part-time at the Chemical and Geological Laboratories of Alaska in Anchorage, where he analyzed soil samples. He had a bright future, but was painfully shy around women. Kai Young Yoon was a lonely young man. Troopers Massey and Clemens knew they had little evidence tying Yoon to Amy Sue Patrick, so they decided to visit him at the chemistry lab at the university. They assured Yoon he was not under arrest and then began a friendly conversation with him. Yoon told the officers that he loved to play the game Dungeons and Dragons, and he enjoyed painting fantasy figurines. 
The officer steered the conversation to the night of September 22nd and asked Yoon about his alibi for the time when Amy Sue Patrick vanished. Yoon said he went to an arcade at 6 p.m. and then he went home to watch television. Massey asked Yoon what TV program he watched. When Yoon answered, Massey knew he caught Yoon in a lie. Massey said he knew the show, Yoon mentioned, and it wasn't on TV Sunday night. Massey quietly said, You know you weren't at the arcade on Sunday night. Yoon's gaze dropped to the floor, and he could no longer look at Massey in the eye. Massey and Clemens turned up the heat. They said they knew he'd abducted Amy Sue Patrick. Massey told Yoon to close his eyes and tell him about his dreams and what he saw. Massey had successfully used this technique before on suspects, and it worked well with Kai Young Yoon. Yoon closed his eyes, took a deep breath, and in a calm voice, he said, I pull up to the house and knock on the door. She answers and lets me in. I cover her mouth with an ether rag, and she passes out. I walk through and check the house. I find the phone is off the receiver, and I hang it up. Then I load her into the car, and I drive toward Anchorage. Yoon said he drove down the Glen Highway and turned off at Pilot Road. He said he drove half a mile down the road and stopped. When Massey asked him what he did next, Yoon replied, I snapped her neck. Then I dumped her on the side of the road and covered her over with brush. Let me take a short break. As I've mentioned before, in addition to writing true crime nonfiction, I write Alaska wilderness mystery novels. Right now, I am serializing one of my novels, Murder Over Kodiak, and you can read it free, chapter by chapter, at the Readers and Writers Book Club. I've currently posted 13 chapters, and I release a new chapter each week. Several other authors are also posting their novels, one chapter at a time, at the book club. Genres range from mystery to intrigue to horses and dogs to science fiction and fantasy. One of my favorites is The Perilous Journey Begins, an edgy western by Rich Ritter. As I read the book, I am reminded of the Lonesome Dove series, where fascinatingly flawed characters travel on a collision course with each other. Whatever you like to read, you will find it at the club, where we invite you to read one of our novels for free. You can search for the Readers and Writers Book Club and then click on Book Chapters, or you can follow the link to the club in the ad I've placed in my show notes. I'll meet you soon at the club. The confession shocked the troopers, but they had no physical evidence to back up Yoon's words. Massey asked Yoon if he would take them to Amy Sue's body, and Yoon said he would, but he asked if he could first go to his locker and put his stuff away. The officers waited while Yoon went to his locker, and then he accompanied them to their cruiser. 
the trio drove to Pilot Road north of Eagle River off the Glen Highway. Clemens stopped the vehicle at the spot Yoon indicated, but they saw no sign of a brush pile or a concealed body. Massey began to get angry and asked Yoon, what's going on? The three men sat in the cruiser, and Clemens turned on a tape recorder and told Yoon to tell them his story from the beginning. This time, Yoon said he originally placed Amy Sue's body at the spot he had indicated. Then he drove to his home, grabbed some garbage bags, and returned. He put Amy Sue's body in the bags, covered her with brush, and drove to his apartment. The following morning, Yoon went to his scheduled class at the university and then drove to Pilot Road to retrieve Amy Sue's body. He then headed to the Anchorage City Refuse Station and dumped her body, wrapped in garbage bags, in a dumpster. Troopers Massey and Clemens arrested Kai Young Yoon while he sat in their cruiser at 11.44 p.m. on Saturday, October 5th. They booked Yoon into the Matsu pretrial facility at 4.05 a.m. on Sunday, October 6th. When they handed off Yoon to the officer at the jail, Massey said, Put this guy on suicide watch. Really, I'm not kidding. Watch him carefully. The receiving officer said he understood. The jailer then strip-searched and processed Yoon. At 10.15 a.m. on Sunday, October 6th, the guards moved Yoon from his cell to get him ready for his arraignment on the murder and kidnapping charges, and they noted he seemed ill. A nurse examined Yoon and sent him to nearby Valley Hospital. Three hours later, an ambulance with lights flashing and sirens blaring sped Yoon to Providence Hospital in Anchorage. Kai Young Yoon died at 6.35 p.m. An autopsy revealed that Yoon had ingested enough arsenic to kill several men. Doctors could do nothing to save him. Arsenic affects most of the major organs in the body. It attacks the stomach and intestines, then the kidneys, and finally the nerves. Arsenic does not attack the brain, so the victim is in horrible pain but alert. Yoon told a doctor at Valley Hospital that he wanted to kill himself. When in the ambulance on the way to Providence Hospital in Anchorage, Yoon's heart rate soared and his breathing increased. At 2.25 p.m., his blood pressure dropped to zero. At the hospital, the doctors hooked him to a ventilator and kidney machine, but by then, the arsenic had fatally damaged his organs. Yoon often used arsenic at the chemical lab where he worked, and he possibly also had access to arsenic at the university. But how did he manage to smuggle a bottle of the poisonous compound into the jail? The guards strip-searched him when he entered the facility. Investigators believe Yoon removed a small vial of arsenic oxide from his locker at the university when he asked the troopers if he could put his books in his locker before showing them where he killed Amy Sue Patrick. He then hid the vial inside his sock, down in his shoe, so the officers would not find it during a weapon search. They then think he ingested some of the arsenic while riding with the troopers. He then poured the rest into his sock and took it while waiting in the corrections room. 
When the troopers learned of Yoon's condition, one of them quickly checked the vehicle Clemens and Massey had used to transport Yoon to the jail. On the floor of the cruiser, he found a small, empty vial and white powder on the floor mat. Despite Massey's warning to the jail guard to put Yoon on suicide watch and observe him at all times, the guards on shift ignored the orders, and they did not inform the next shift that Yoon was a suicide risk. Yoon's death was a heavy blow to the troopers because now he could not help them locate Amy Sue's body in the landfill. Trooper Tom Clemens, trooper volunteers, and National Guardsmen searched for Amy Sue's body for three long weeks, spending nearly 16 hours a day sifting through the garbage. The refuse manager informed the troopers that a dead horse and elephant dung from the zoo were dumped at nearly the same time Yoon said he dumped Amy Sue's body. If they could find the horse or the manure, Amy Sue's remains should be in the same area of the refuse pile. After a week of searching the dump, the troopers requested the assistance of dogs and dog handlers from Germany. The German handlers had specially trained the dogs to find human remains deposited in trash. The dogs reportedly could detect the scent of a human buried under 15 feet of garbage. But the dogs did not find Amy Sue. Troopers began to wonder if Yoon had lied to them about leaving Amy Sue's body at the dump. Investigators were about to call off the search at the refuse center when they found the horse's body that was dumped around the same time Yoon brought Amy Sue to the dump. They decided to search one more day, and on Saturday, October 26th, a backhoe unearthed a plastic bag with a woman's leg protruding from it. Amy Sue's family could finally lay her to rest. Why did Kai Young Yoon, a brilliant young man, confess so readily to Massey and Clemens? He knew the troopers did not have a body nor any physical evidence against him for the kidnapping and murder of Amy Sue Patrick. Yet, it took little prodding from Massey before the story of his crime spilled from his mouth. Massey said he believed Yoon wanted to relieve the burden of guilt he felt. Massey said, I believe that once you face your responsibilities, no matter what you've done, that's the first step to recovery and making yourself feel better. Yoon's suicide left many questions unanswered. In his confession, Yoon said he used ether to subdue Amy Sue, but in a letter he left for a friend, he said he'd lied to the troopers about the ether. Troopers believe Yoon used ether or a similar chemical to gain control over Amy Sue. If conscious, the young woman would have fought, but there was no sign of a struggle at the house, and Yoon had no scratches or other defensive wounds. Yoon also said he murdered Amy Sue on the spur of the moment. He claimed he'd planned to burglarize the Wada's house, and he killed Amy Sue because she witnessed his crime. This explanation made little sense, though. 
There was nothing taken from the house, and you knew Amy Sue was at the home because he placed a phone call from his home in Anchorage to the Wada's residence. He stayed on the phone just long enough to hear Amy Sue answer, and then he jumped in his car and drove to Wasilla. His actions suggest a premeditated event aimed at attacking Amy Sue. The big question left unanswered by Yoon's death was, why did Kai Young Yoon go to his friend's house and kidnap and murder a woman he'd only briefly met on one previous occasion? Yoon said he did not abduct Amy Sue to have sex with her, but the investigators who questioned him do not believe him. They said Yoon was very shy around women and incapable of forming intimate relationships. His pal, William Wada, bragged about his sexual conquest to Yoon, and Yoon must have found it challenging to listen to his friend's exploits. The troopers believe Yoon fixated on Amy Sue when he met her the previous day, and he decided he would have her at any cost. The medical examiner could not determine if Yoon sexually assaulted Amy Sue because her body had decomposed by the time of the autopsy. After an internal investigation into Yoon's suicide while in custody, investigators cleared Massey and Clemens of any wrongdoing. Still, they issued them a reprimand for not completing a more efficient search of Yoon. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to my patrons for your support. Check out the show notes for more information on how you can support this podcast and unlock extra episodes by joining the Last Frontier Club. You can also search for this podcast on Patreon to learn more about the Last Frontier Club. I'll see you soon for the next episode of Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. Thank you.